We don't mind. Can we just get rid of any of the music that sounds like this? I want to ah. go back to the old sound. I knew what's, this was coming. Like what's the the, the, old the music sound? I picked out. Uh, okay. Well, here's oh, Big, here Steve Big Steve to make a big stink about it. Who who is this, Sage? Black Bear. Black Bear. Yeah. It could be Grizzly Bear. I'd have no idea. Okay. I, it could be Winnie the Pooh, and I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Are, are you saying you would prefer some Motorhead? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just as one. Yeah, I mean, just anytime I mean, that's you a great ask one. that question, it's a yes. I mean, Ace of Spades is a classic. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. What, what would you use from the 80s if you were? I have a uh, quite a mix of 80s in my bed list. Bed is a radio term for songs yes. coming out of break or yes. kind of whenever you're just talking over music. Um, but I have Motley Crue in there. I'm a big Motley Crue guy. Um, I, I think I have like Rick, Rick Ashley in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Take on me. That's in there. What would you call okay. the what Black Bear? What we just heard. What kind of genre are you thinking that is? Well, is that one of the subgenres for uh, for uh, EDM, Death EDM? No. Okay. Goth no. EDM, Punk EDM. I, I just felt like that. That was solid popish. Pop rock. What do you call yeah. it, Sage? It's like hip hop pop is sort it? of vibe, yeah. Is that what hip hop is these days? Yeah, definitely not. Uh, definitely not. L O Cool J. Or... Sounds like something a rabbit would listen to. Oh, that's uh, quoting the Brady Bunch movie. Movie, if you guys don't understand yeah. that. Uh, no, I got it, but it still doesn't. It doesn't soften the blow of that bad joke. I'm gonna go ahead and shut this down. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. We've got uh, Mitch Holtis's brother from Riley on the phone. Uh, statement from NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. The NFL players and teams are deeply worried of the events that transpired last week after the San Francisco-Los Angeles Rams game. For the second year, there will be a team with home field advantage at the Super Bowl. As an organization, we have tried very much to avoid that situation, let alone to allow it happen two years in a row. Therefore, to guarantee it will never happen again, we will move every Super Bowl hereafter to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Ouch. End of Boo. statement. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Is that real? No. no, it's a complete, it's oh, a meme. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, you had me. Line. I, thought I really that, was going, yeah, I was like, But I, no, that's a thing I could see happening. Troy laughed way too hard at that. I, well, I was only just because kinda, I know that gets the Cowboys fans goat. I don't care about that. It being the Cowboys Stadium, I just, you know, home field advantage. So it was, well, it's not really it was, home field advantage. There's going to be a whole bunch of celebrities. and Well, valid, but and, and it's not it like LA. the NFC Championship game was a home field advantage either because the Niner fans took over the place. Right. And as I was saying, there's no Rams fans in L.A.? Come no. on. What no. I well, there are some, but... Are they still alive? Yeah. That was a long yeah. time ago. What yeah. I don't understand is, like, if you have season tickets and then your team plays at home... Do you get first dibs on Super Bowl tickets? On a select number of them, I think. Oh, yeah. Wow. Man. Because because the corporate numbers are crazy. Over the top. Yeah. Oh, man. That's how we get great footage of, you know, people like uh uh oh Rob uh 
Rob Lowe sitting there with his NFL hat. The NFL hat, that's because, too much. Because he's promoting 911 Lone Star, which has completely jumped the shark. I couldn't believe that when I saw that. I was like, you would, if someone handed me an NFL hat, I'd throw it away. Paul, our IT guy, once explained to me how that does work. Like, I think season ticket holders get a shot at Super Bowl tickets, but not all of them. Right. Like only a select few. And I don't know how many. Yeah, it's it's going to depend on probably how much you have spent on your season tickets. Well, I I don't want to talk trash on somebody who used to work here, but the guy who used to work here was (laughs) on this show for a short time, uh, like around 2014 when Matt Walters was still on the show. He and his brother went to the Super Bowl in Miami. The Chiefs won that year. And uh, I'm like, hey, dude, you're in radio. You don't make Super Bowl money. Yeah. So – I it almost I think it's cheaper if you go as a season ticket holder. Like it's not insane money, like six grand. Yeah, six so, grand is that's secondary site money. But you're also what what my point is is that it's a limited number of those that are even available to the teams because of all the other corporate entities that have their claws into the game, and the NFL is controlling the tickets as opposed to either team really having any any say in it other than which of their season ticket holders go. That's sad. I mean, along the same lines as, uh, you know, think of it as a bowl allocation if K-State's in, when K-State's in a bowl game. Right. It's the similar concept that there's just a limited number in that aspect. By the way, how many how much money did those Texas Texas Tech tickets get? Because the last I saw on secondary science, it was 350 for one ticket for last night's game at United Supermarkets Arena. Yeah, good question. Really, three hundred fifty bucks. But I heard it got higher than that. But oh, I don't. I'm I don't sure. have a number. Wow. Man, the f- the footage of post practice, the bus Texas bus trying to pull out post practice on Monday night. I saw that was unbelievable. Wow. A number of flying fingers, and of course, Beard is right in the front seat. Yeah. Of the bus, and as uh, is typical of a coach. And, of course, it's you know mostly, I would say, 99% students, I'm sure. And oh, yeah, they were already camped out. They adopted the K-State chant for sure, KU. Sure, And it, instead of blank KU, it's blank UT. Mm. Yeah. So I thought I thought I had recognized it when I heard it in the, uh, in the clip, but there was multiple clips. Like, one of the players for Texas, I don't remember who it was, but came out and kind of addressed the fans by holding up the horns and – I think we were all tech fans last night, were we not? I didn't get to watch, like I said, I didn't get to watch the game at all. I, I saw a glimpse of KU Iowa State, but I went to the old John show, so I didn't see it. But I did try to look up like videos online to see just what the crowd was like. And of course, it was in, insane, but from what I saw, it was like every bucket that tech made, it was like that was the winner they needed in the uh, national uh, championship uh, game. Uh, uh. It's just amazing that Chris Beard took them to. These these things happen where a coach interconference moves interconference. I have never seen this reaction though. I've, I I mean, when Bob Huggins went to West Virginia, it wasn't like that here. You know what I mean? But that as much as anything is because we all understood what the situation that's was. True. Well, Kellis and I talked about it on Tuesday. It was also not until 2013 that Bob Huggins showed up in Manhattan again. Mm. True. He left that's after true. the 06 season. That's so there was true. a gap in there and when he came right. back it was kind of we're over it now. Right. right. He, he was he was in the Big East when he in, That's right. West Virginia wasn't even in the Big 12. Right. Yeah, that's right. Although they did play one time in in Wichita. I don't remember what that was like. Um 
but it wasn't yeah, wasn't even close. No. This is I've never seen anything like I have never seen oh, an entire fan base just let a guy just rip on him. You know what I mean? This is wild. On, on another note, you mentioned KU Iowa State. Has anybody else proven to be a paper tiger in this conference like Iowa State has this year? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, what has happened? Oof. I mean... No Ochai Baji, but apparently David McCormick goes actually off for showed, a double-double. Actually yeah. showed up once. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally... He's it, been pretty it, decent this year. Iowa, Iowa State... Nationally ranked somehow still while sitting in the same spot that K-State is in terms of record in the conference. Wow. Are they really? Wow. Because of what they did in the non-com. That's how little the pollsters are truly paying attention to what's going on. Wow. It doesn't matter, though. It it, it absolutely annoys me because, I mean, they built – it, it, how does Iowa State have a reputation? <laughs> I mean, honestly, how does Iowa State have a reputation that allows them that rank? I mean, that that's a North Carolina-esque it type is. of rep at it this is. point. It's You're like right. something carried over from football season with these guys. Right, right. Well, speaking of something that carries a reputation, Sage, let's go ahead and give the people <laughs> what they want. You've heard of Ken Paul. Well, that guy. Here's Mitch Paul. With tonight's prediction. K-State students, if you're one of the first 1,000 in the door, you're getting some free EMA socks. And I saw them, and they're pretty slick. Right on. They're pretty slick. Does anybody say slick anymore, like, to explain yeah. how awesome something is or something looks good? Hey, Mitch. that looks slick. Mitch does. Sage is giving me the, uh eh. She don't know. Well, she's, she's just young and cool. And, you know, yeah. like, yeah. She, she also played know. Big Bear as a bumper, so. Big Bear? Whoa. I thought it was Black Bear. Black Bear. Grizzly bear. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Troy. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing in here. Well, Mitch Palm is back with another prediction, and this is Oklahoma State who's in town. Both teams are 10-10, and 10, but Oklahoma State does have a game advantage over the Cats in Big 12 play. They are 3-5. and five. Now, their Big 12 wins are over Texas at Baylor. That's the big one. And TCU. And uh, only other win on the road for... Uh, Oki Light or Roberts. And that was my one point. Wow. But the Cowboys started six and one and they haven't been quite the same since. And they lost in the Big Twelve SEC challenge to Florida. So here is a kind of a point number one here from Mitch Palm mentioning that the NCAA has rejected Oklahoma State's appeal. This was right before the season that has banned the uh Mike Boynton squad of playing in the NCAA tournament. Now, they've also got like a scholarship restriction or uh, scholarship reductions, recruiting restrictions. You know, they're on a probation, right, for three years. And uh, that's all from when Oklahoma State assistant coach, associate head coach, I should say, Lamont Evans, accepted anywhere between eight grand, uh, 18 grand to 22 in bribes from two financial advisors to influence athletes. The thing is, you know, Mitch Palm is like the whole postseason thing. You know, maybe shouldn't it be like until they are eligible to play postseason basketball is when they should not be able to play? That's obviously wouldn't be fair, but they're not going to be playing postseason basketball, at least NCAA tournament. NIT, maybe they might sneak in, but they're not NCAA tournament worthy, I would say, because I know the bracketology says eight teams are getting in. That's everybody not K-State and Oklahoma State. Right. right? right. That's a, you know, teams have a lot better records right and i'm just i i'm 
I read up on this story because I heard about it right before the season started. This they came down with this ruling. There wasn't one player or one coach on the Oklahoma State roster when all these things happened. I hate the way the NCAA handles stuff. If you want to punish Lamont Evans, punish him. If you want to punish the school, then punish the school in a monetary way. But don't say this new group of people that have nothing to do with any of that can't go to the postseason. That How hard is it for them to motivate a group of guys to go play their hearts out when they got nothing at the end. There's no, there's no, there's no nothing. But the thing is, it also affects men's bat, the Big Twelve, their men's basketball. They're still in the same conference. They're still competing against K State, Oklahoma State, or uh, K State, KU, all those guys. Um, any advantage they do get is, you know, technically considered a disadvantage for the other schools in the conference one of the aspects to look at is it really comes down to how your coaches decide to approach it in terms of how they work on keeping the players minds in it right i've been there I've, i've seen this happen because well first a transition when you're making the move from one division to the other uh you don't have a postseason and uh and then there was one year where there were issues that precluded uh, Northern Colorado being uh, able to play in the conference tournament uh, because they violated some rules. And uh, it, it, it made for a very strange ending to the season, especially when you're riding the high. But the coaches have to approach it as, okay, guys, this is, our, this is where we are. It's up to you to go ahead and show we're coming next year. I know. I know. I get it. It's tough. It's stupid. It's not. It's not it, tough. It's stupid because they didn't do anything. It, it, and I know you got to punish. You you need if you do something wrong, you got to punish. But it's not like anybody from Oklahoma State besides Lamont Evans was like, "Hey, let's get this done." He took money from somebody or two people. Nobody else was even in on it. Get him. Bust him. And leave these guys alone. They didn't do it. it and also, when he was taking money, they sucked then, too. It, it's it's <laughs> an old structure. It's an old penalty structure that has been in place for way too long and has not adjusted for awful for essentially how things truly are in athletics now. Awful. Feels so bad. Is he, but is he, like, in jail or something? Like, well, one of them, I think, is in jail. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, he's... I suppose. Yeah, the feds, the feds got him. Yeah, he's his whole his career's done, but that's not good enough. They gotta put the kibosh on these young athletes. It just sucks. Mitch Palm moves on. Uh, big advantage tonight for K State. They don't have Donovan Williams. Oklahoma State does. I Mitch Palm says, "What a dodge the bullet <laughs> on this one because his first year he plays like six games, tears up his knee." Doesn't play for the rest of the year. His sophomore year this year, he's played nine games, four starts, but guess what? Three points a game, a rebound and a half a contest. Remember, he committed to K-State and then four days later says, no, I'm not coming to K-State. I'm going to Oklahoma State. And that's after John Kurtz named him a hashtag my guy. That's, that ruined everything. That's that's the guy? Yeah, that's him. Now, now we know the rest of the story. <laughs> Famous alumni, Gary Busey, Whoa. went to Oklahoma State. I don't really have anything on him. I just wanted to mention him. I thought it's interesting he went to Oklahoma State. He's a Texas guy. Um, had that motorcycle accident that messed up his brain and kind of made him a weirdo, I suppose. Oh, yeah. But well, that and copious amounts of cocaine. That'll always, uh, you know, leave a couple 
brain cells but scrambled. Here's a here's a couple that Mitch Palm don't does not like, and one of them is Jordan Eubanks. Uh, I'm sorry, Gordon Eubanks. He is the CEO and president of. Norton Antivirus. Uh-oh. He's the reason you see that pop-up come in the bottom of the screen. Hey, you Oof. need to renew your antivirus. Annoying. Get out of here, Norton. And I, you're like, I thought I did, and then I did. I don't I'm know. not paying for this crap. No. Uh, next one is uh, T. Boone Pickens. Got all this money, thinks he's flash. He's worth like $300 million, but I think he's kind of the reason that Gallagher Iba, yeah, or um, yeah. not Gallagher Iba, yes, but that also part of the it, football stadium. That they expanded it maybe a little bit too far, but the uh, football stadium looks good on the outside, on the inside, complete dump. Don't like it. Really? It sucks. They didn't close upgrade quarters, it much. Close quarters, the bleachers are in terrible shape. There's a ton of bad spots. Um, Especially like if you're upper deck, front row, you cannot see the field. Whoa. You cannot see the mm-hmm. field. And there's bleachers that you cannot get to by stairs. You have to climb over rows to get to them. What? Terrible. I, I didn't know that. Terrible. I think it's a terrible place for to watch a football game. Whoa. It's not it's just not comfortable. Like some there's some great seats. You have to to get to certain spots, you have to climb over seats. In multiple areas of wow. the stadium. There's a engineering joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> money doesn't buy good engineering. I guess that what the yeah. hell? At, at least not in Oklahoma. Apparently, <laughs> more on Oklahoma State. The Cowboys. They do. I want to give credit to K State Online for the a uh, couple of these stats here. Uh, they're very good in the paint, which K State has not been so good in the paint. As defensively, they're allowing teams to shoot just forty five percent from two point range. That's second best in the conference. Uh, but they do allow. Opponents to shoot 34% from three-point range. That is eighth in the conference. Now, the Cowboys, for some reason, are just not good rebounders. They're eighth in the Big 12 in rebounding, and they just don't shoot well either. They make only 42.5% of their two-point attempts, which is uh, not the best clip, and they're just 30% from three-point range. That is sixth in the Big 12, uh, but K-State is better than that at three-point range. Now, I do worry about a couple of other players. Bryce Thompson has been pretty good in league play, 12 points a game, but he's not a good three-point shooter. He's just 25%. Avery Anderson is a solid guy uh, from uh, the perimeter. He's 34%. Um, Keelan Boone, he's the guy I worry about. He comes off the bench. He's the best three-point shooter at 35%. So 35%, best three-point shooter. You know, Mitch Palm is not too worried about these Cowboys, but... K-State, the last time they faced a really good, a, a, a decent defensive team, Ole Miss, K-State finished with less than 60 points. So it does worry me a little bit. Ken Palm has the Cats at a 58% chance of winning, 65-62. Mitch Palm is actually going to make that a little bit lower, 54%. But Mitch Palm is predicting a close win for the Cats, a little bit more low scoring, 62-60. to 60. Nice. Cats pick up the win at home against Oklahoma State. Boy, are we behind it when we come back. Best, uh, Bruce, what does he have to say about the Cowpokes, but also injury updates on not just Selton Miguel. That's up next. Yeah. Best of Bruce time on the game. We're going to get it started right now because we still got a lot of show to go. Bruce Weber was first asked out of the gate with the media. How long until Selton Miguel from an ankle injury is going to be able to return? I would not anticipate, you know, the earliest 
would be maybe next week. But I, I and again, I don't know that, you know, he was excited because in the pool, he had some pretty good mobility. And and then but then when he went on the court, I I think it, you know, it, it back to reality that he didn't have probably the strength in it. Um, the swelling is down. Uh, Davion was actually did full practice yesterday, the first time in, in a week. Uh, you know, he's obviously when you don't go for a week, it takes a little bit, but uh, get another practice in today and a shoot around. Uh, hopefully he'll have a little more, more mobility and can give us a little bit of a lift uh, on, on Wednesday. Max has got to a point now, uh, you know, he had obviously a surgery uh, in April, uh, another surgery in October. Uh, he's back on the court now. Um, he, he practices part time for us. He kind of rotates drills every day. And then, uh, you know, Surrey is just started like progressing to running. You know, he, I think the next step will be jumping. Obviously his is a little different, you know, than Max's, uh, you know, procedure. So making some progress with that. If you want to give some opening thoughts just on Oklahoma state and what you've seen on them on film. The crazy thing is after the games last night, I text the coaches and the players, you know, if we can find a way to win, which is, you know, and every win is hard in this league. We could be tied for six. We could be tied for fifth place. Um, after what we've all been through the COVID, the injuries, all of that, the close losses and probably the real sad part about it. If you found a way to win one of those close games, you'd be in the top part of the league and, you know, two of them, you'd be, you know, but we we didn't do that. You know, all we can do now is worry about keep getting better and, and deal, you know, deal with what we have. You know, we lost our spirit after Kansas. There's no doubt. You saw it in the Baylor game. I, I really thought against Mississippi, uh, we had a little more pop on defense. You know, we just didn't make shots. It, it's, it's, you know, pretty simple. Probably, you know, hindsight, too many threes, but I went back and we did get the ball in the paint. It's just that they were, you know, long and they contested things at the paint. And a lot of times our, it was drives and kickouts to three. Uh, that's what they were kind of, we kind of played off of what they gave us. And, you know, if you just had one other guy step up and make a few plays, obviously Mark was, you know, had a nice game, came back 20 and 16. That's, I mean, that's a mouthful. I mean, that's, you know, there's not many guys that done, have done you know, do that in our league or around the country. And he's done it a couple of times now. You know, Nigel kind of gives us our consistency. I was happy uh, with his playmaking. He had seven assists. Uh, I thought he, he did a better job when they got into him of, of creating for some other people. So, you know, now you got Oklahoma State. They're they're coming off a tough loss to Florida. They had a 16, 18-point lead in the first half. I watched the game last night. Uh, you know, they're very, very athletic. They're very talented. They got good depth. Uh, they keep coming at you. Uh, they're very physical with their defense. They play a lot of defenses. I, I thought we'd see a lot of defense against Mississippi, but I don't know if they were afraid of Nigel or not with the zones. But you know, we're we're gonna have to, you know, man up and we're gonna have to get we gotta get some points in the paint. And then obviously it would be nice. It's always nice if you can make some shots. Uh, but our, our defense is gonna be key. You know, again, I thought we took some a little bit of a positive step against Mississippi. Uh we just couldn't get key stops at the right time. And uh now we're gonna have to, you know, hopefully get back home and keep the fire going inside, you know, step up and give a great effort against Oklahoma State and find see if we can find a way to get a win. Morning, Bruce. Is there a vocal leader on this team? And if so, in what ways has that person or persons kind of been? What messages have they been sending? I think we have 
several guys that have kind of done it at different times, but we I just kind of maybe like our team, we haven't been consistent with it. And from the beginning, we've all asked Nigel to have a, a stronger voice. And, you know, slowly but surely he does it. It's not, not a natural thing. Mike McGurl, we've talked about in the past. It's not natural for Mike. You know, he's just a good, quiet kid, uh, young man. And, uh, you know, Marquise-ish, uh, Selton, those three have used their voice, uh, you know, but again, they got to come back and have consistent play. And we, you know, we talked all year about, you know, hold yourself accountable so you can hold other people accountable. And, and I think that, you know, if we could get some consistency, it would obviously help. And then that would help somebody maybe be a consistent voice. I mean, we've all gone back and forth. We've had our, you know, it's an emotional season. As if you watch the Chiefs, sports is, can be very joyous and it can be very painful. You know, you go through those ups and downs, you know, and that's part of the season. So there's been, there's been emotion. There's been emotion in practice, in the locker room, you know, but now we all we can do is, you know, we just have ourselves and keep believing and keep working and hope we can find a way to get some confidence and some things go our way and see if we can make a little run here down down the stretch. You mentioned post-play, getting better play, consistency. How do you get the offense to eliminate or minimize the droughts that you guys have had? Yeah, I don't know. You know, 10 days ago, you know, we had 50 points at halftime against Kansas and scored in the 70s. Uh, Texas, in, you know, one of the best defensive teams, uh, you know, we got in the 60s and and Texas Tech had against, again, one of the best defensive teams. So, you know, some obviously we got to get some inside production. We got to get some layups, uh, some easy ones. Uh, the one thing Selton, missing Selton, he's, you know, his, his strength is getting to the hoop, driving, playmaking, you know, just – from one of our bigs, we got to get a, a layup or two or get to the free throw line. I, I think also just getting some transition. You know, that was our biggest thing. I think as a staff, after watching it, we got to get it out and push it. I don't know if that, you know, in 15 assists against uh, Mississippi. So that's pretty good ratio, but maybe we weren't aggressive enough early in the possessions. And that's why we didn't have the, you know, that's why you had less turnovers. So early we were getting a lot of deflection steals. You know, we haven't had that as of late to get the, you know, get a few easy ones uh, to kind of ease the pressure on your offense. And last one from me, Ishma suits minutes have uh, been reduced dramatically. What's the explanation for that? Is it physical play or what is it? I think you watch the game. I mean, he's, he's not the physical, you know, guy, you know, in our league, uh, you got a lot of, People that play small or they play athletic, it's not one of his strengths to go out and guard somebody out on the court. But at the same time, we, you know, we got to find a way to use his strength, see if we can get him some shots. He seems to make that first one, then he'll, the next one, he'll maybe force a little bit, you know, so we got to do a better job of just finding ways to get him some easy shots. And and obviously that would help us. You know, when you talk about offense, you know, anyone that can get some points for us would help. And Mark's also played well. I mean, that's part of it too. You just end up playing small ball and playing Mark at the four. Obviously he's pretty effective in that, in that role. What do, you, what do you see now as kind of the key in getting those Baker guys, getting Casey, getting Davion going since they've they've struggled over those, these last couple of games? I don't know. May, you know, we just maybe got to force feed them a little bit, you know, try to get the ball to them, see if they can get a little confidence, you know, but then they got to go finish it. 
Obviously, Davion's had an up-and-down season, and Casey has. Uh, you know, I think Carlton, he has the bounce and the athleticism. You see it. He can move better than those two guys. But he just, I, I've said before, he needs reps. He needs practice. He needs summer. He hasn't had a summer since he's been here. He needs a fall. He had an, you know, he didn't have a fall. And uh, and those things have come. But, you know, we, we showed him yesterday his defense on the like a handful of possessions was like, man, this is what we, this is perfect. But then, you know, he had a chance, a little jumper, you know, that three, I wish he would have just shot a 15 footer. I'm okay with that. Between the three, we got to just find a way to get something. You know, maybe we just need to run a couple of plays early and try to get them the ball and see if they can finish or get to the free throw line. That's Bruce Weber, the best of Bruce. Now tomorrow we're going to get more into the recruiting part of K-State football And when it comes to a full-length interview, you're going to actually hear that from Adrian Martinez. He had a sit-down like what we would get from Skylar Thompson in front of the media, right there at Veneer. He spoke to the the media. That's some pretty good stuff to say, including about, uh, you know, why he wanted to become a Wildcat. Not just because he has a girlfriend on the soccer team. It's much more than that. The Adrian Martinez with the media interview is coming up tomorrow on the game, along with uh, Derek Young from KCN Online. But... Coming up next, giving the people what they want. Number one song of the day is next. I mean, I was at a show last night. You know where I'm going. I used to be a rolling stone. Very heavy on the bass. Freedom. Elton John, two weeks at number one. 1975. 76. I forgot to put the year in here, so that's my bad. I got to look it up real quick, but I think you're pretty close. 75. 1975, baby. Uh, His real name is Sir Elton Hercules John. That's not his real name. That's... (laughs) But his real name is Reginald Kenneth Dwight, but Sir Elton Hercules John. From London, six decades of dominance. Now, he writes the music. Bernie Toppin, he writes the lyrics. That's gone all the way back to 1967. And uh, Elton John has sold more than 300 million records worldwide. He's one of the top 10 best-selling artists ever. Dang. And he was inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994. According to Billboard in 2019, Elton John is the top solo artist in the United States in chart history. He is third overall, and he's also the top adult contemporary artist of all time. However, Rolling Stone named Elton John the 49th best artist of all time. Mm-hmm. 49, that is not high enough, boys and girls. 48 people ahead of him? Yeah, number 48 is Run DMC. Who? Number 50 is The Band. Okay, listen. Okay, I who's love, The Band? I love Run DMC. 
I'm not going to ever put Run DMC above Elton John. I mean, come on. You know? Come on. Um, the band. I'm trying to remember who was Well, in. there's only one song I can tell you from. Uh, they have a song called The Wait. Yeah. That's the yeah. only song I can think of. They suck. The band, yeah. Um, so, Elton, 31 studio albums, 57 top 40 hits. Ooh. That is second to only one person, and number one is Elvis, with the most top 40 hits. And this is his fourth of nine number ones. This was actually not released on a studio album. It was actually released on his second greatest hits album. Mm. Now, Bernie Toppin wrote the lyrics to most Elton John songs. Elton had a special request, though. He wanted to do a song for his friend, tennis player, Billie Jean King, who's from Philly. Oh, yeah. And they became good friends after meeting at a party, and Elton tried to uh, attend as many of of her matches as he could. There was one time, though, she gave him a customized tracksuit. He's like, all right, that's a fantastic gift. I'm going to give you a better gift. I'm going to write a number one hit about my good friend Billie Jean King. Wow, that's nice. That's cool. That's cool. Now... Philadelphia Freedom, that's not only about Billie Jean King, but it's also about the Philadelphia sound of soul music, like the OJs, Melvin and the Blue Notes, but it's also about the American Bicentennial. 1976 was the 200th anniversary of America's independence. Ah. And what was at one time the capital of the United States? Uh-huh. Philadelphia. That's right. There's so many great tie-ins to this beautiful song. Now... What's also funny about this Elton John tune, it runs at 5 minutes, 21 seconds. DJs back then did not want to play songs more than 4 minutes. As a matter of fact, there was a national DJ that said on air, I'm not playing Elton John songs anymore. They're too long. They're screwing up my playlist. Elton heard that, so he purposely made this over 5 minutes long. He went went the Billy Joel Piano Man route. Yeah. Oh, you don't like that? Here you go. On May 17, 1975, Elton John became one of the first uh, white performers on Soul Train. And he performed two songs on Soul Train, Benny and the Jets and Philadelphia Freedom. Sage, you can, don't replay it. I'm going to play it again from my side because that just had too much bass in it. Um, so I'm going to play it from my side. It's going to be a little bit more normal. Man, I tell you what, when I was on my way to the show... I knew I already put together this number one song, and I was listening to it in the office. I was like, "Man, I didn't have as much appreciation as I did yesterday listening to it in the office." And then Elton last night at the show, it's a second song out of the gate. Wow! And I popped. Nice. I was like, "Yes!" He opened with Benny and the Jets. Here comes yep. Philadelphia Freedom. Just man. So how long was the concert? It was two hours eighteen minutes. So even at because Elton John's getting up there. He's oh, still crushing. Let me tell you. So I saw him three years ago, and I thought it was a good show. His voice wasn't perfect. He does sing at a lower tempo. Tempo, is that the right word? Lower tempo? Uh, tenor? Tenor. Tenor? Uh, uh, yeah, timber, basically, at this timber. point. Tender. Timber. Timber. Tender. Tender. But that night, I was swiping right, for sure. <laughs> and uh, But it wasn't... I, I could tell it wasn't his best night. Last night in Kansas City... Murdered. Ooh. He was wonderful, and he kind of reminded me of you, DG, yeah. because a lot of the t- a lot of the time he'd kind of throw in a random. Ah, uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yes, I am feeling this. I'm He's having a good it. time. 
So he and like at the end of every song, he's like, you know, pressing the keys. He's ending the song, and every time he's like, oh yeah. Yay. Yeah, he was feeling. He it. was feeling himself. He was getting yeah. up. I, he always does it at his conscience where he gets up and like he, he really eats up the crowd at, uh, applause. The crowd lights always turn on by the way at the end of every song, so he can like be like, "How was that?" You know, he like throw his hands up in the air. Wow. He's like seventy-seven years old. Yeah, he get up There's there. not many musicians that can still kill it at that age, but man, for two hours. For two, two hours, he time. was phenomenal. That I'm so glad. He, he was... Oh, he's 74. Thank you, Sage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, man, that that was one of the best shows I've ever been to. Wow. Easily one of the best shows I've ever been to. It was a great set list. Um, I, I noticed he did... He, he kind of changed a few things up from when I saw him three years ago, which is it's actually the same tour. It's the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road tour, but it, it got postponed because of the, of the pandemic, of course. Um, but there was a few differences. He didn't play Honky Cat. That was the one I, th- maybe I was a little disappointed in. He didn't play Honky Cat. Um, but, I mean, everything pretty much you wanted to hear. He didn't play Daniel, but I don't care about Daniel. So it, there's such a breadth of what he could play. How do you eliminate songs from the set list? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I could give you the full set list if you want to s- the full set list. He killed it. Oh, man. Can- uh, did he play Kendall and Bowen? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. That was... Oh, God. Deep down, I was hoping maybe, because the first time I saw him, it was the original Candle in the Wind for Marilyn Monroe. I was hoping, you know, maybe, you know, could I catch him with the 97 version? <laughs> because that's the best-selling single of right. all Ever. time. Yeah. yeah. And that was for Prince, Princess Diana. Right. And it was Goodbye, England's Rose. Goodbye, England's Rose. But Elton finished with Goodbye, uh, with, um, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, your song. Um, Ooh, God. One of my favorite Elton John songs is uh, Sad Songs, and that uh, was kind of like right in the middle of the set. Uh, I tell you what, though. What, what I was really impressed with is... Kind of listening to the songs I'm thinking here. But when he performs Someone Saved My Life Tonight, I thought overall that might have been his best performance of the night. Because that's not exactly the most exciting song. But he performed it so well along with the band that the the place just ate it up at the end. Like that was nice. one of the loudest applause, the loudest applause maybe of the whole night. Other than I would say I'm still standing. I'm still standing really popped the crowd. Yeah, when he man. fired that sure. off, the place came alive. Yeah. And that's my favorite Elton song. I'm still standing. That's a great song. Heard it the other day, literally as I'm on a shopping trip. And how do you not hum that while you're in the store? By the way, like an Elton's Elton's band has been with them for a long time. Like there's a couple of them in the band that's been with them since he showed up in the United States 52 years ago. Wow. Like you're talking like Garth Brooks level of commitment mm-hmm. when it comes to his band. And but even longer. Wow! You know? I didn't. But know there that. was there was at a time after the first verse of Crocodile Rock where they let the fans just do the la 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 that part of it. When they're trying to jump back into the song after they went quiet, let the fans do their thing. It was off. Like Elton maybe did it a little bit too soon. The band wasn't ready. But it took them like a, a couple of seconds to realize where they were, and then they just jumped right back in. I was like, what pros? Yeah. Absolute pros that have done this a hundred million times. Millions of times. Yeah. Just I, but I was there. really impressed with that. Like, it was awkward, but it didn't take them long to figure right. it out. They probably don't know where they're at, and it's not only because they're old, but they've been doing it and doing it for so El- long. Elton like kind of gave like a couple of the percussionists a look like, 
What are you doing? What's going on, guys? What's going on? But I, that's I El- rep- Elton's a little bit of a diva. Oh, yeah. A little oh. bit of a diva. And, you know, when a situation like that pops up, Elton John's going to take advantage. You know, and he's going to take advantage Discover of Discover card here. Whoa! <laughs> Discover card. You didn't pay for that. <laughs> you now owe us $7. That's right. Hook it up. Nice. Uh, but uh, another take. So I didn't necessarily have the best seat i was kind of like in the corner behind the stage a little bit like i couldn't see the big screen but that wasn't a big deal but i was actually sitting right behind uh elton on the uh, the upper deck so i had a great view of him the whole night like i could see him easily um i noticed that he has a spitter on stage he he's got a cup after every song he just kind of hawks a loogie into and can takes a drink of whatever he has it looked like lemonade and continued on. Whoa. But I understand because I know when I do games, I yep. need to spit. Mm-hmm. Like it just, you, you build it up. You build up the gunk in the old throat, and it'd be great if I could, after every quarter, just hawk a loogie in a trash can. <laughs> that would be a big help. Oh, man. He's up there hawking loogies again. That's a pro tip, dude. You should try it. Why not? Do it if Elton John. You know, does it. Uh, I maybe get away with it with football uh-huh. when you're in basketball. You got, you know, of course, when I do games, there's Way thousands too of people yeah. around, and yeah. They're like, <laughs> what the? God. Everybody behind me, like, Ugh. he really just you. And you go, hey, COVID? Elton John did it. So, well, yeah, great. Hey, I got advice from Elton. Like <laughs> yeah. he didn't personally say. I just watching one of the greatest. If you want to be great, got to do it. Have a spitter stuff. nearby. That's right. I I agree. All right, um, you know what? Let's just go ahead and roll into it. Sage, get us out when we need to get out, because we're going into uh, Ask Us Anything with the lovely David G. Yes, sir. Pop the boys. I want to say, used that all weekend. The Good. wife, Good. not happy. Did she ask you, what What does that mean? And then when I tried to explain it, totally lost. And I go, <laughs> you just don't get it. And then I heard a shoot interview today where somebody said he popped the boys. Who was it? Kevin Nash. Oh, yeah. Kevin Um, Nash is a great interview. Before we get too far, the band you were asking about, Uh uh, Levon Helm, Robbie Robertson, a couple names that folks may know a little bit. but No uh, idea. And then then three guys that are essentially nameless. uh, Canadian-American band formed in 67. Very limited. But Levon Helm and Robbie Robertson were the keys. But did they have a number one song? No. As far as I know, they didn't. So They no, ain't no him. Elton John. You got five guys there. You can't even come up like one guy. Uh, Elton John's the man. Uh, how long do you leave leftovers in your refrigerator before you chuck them? I don't know if I want to admit it. <laughs> Weeks. I mean, of course, I'm not planning to eat it. Yeah. Are you a leftovers I, I, person? I can be a little lazy when it comes to cleaning out the Tupperware, for sure. sure. The, the George Carlin joke. Uh, you, you, the first time that you save the leftovers, I'm doing something for myself. <laughs> then when you throw them out because of the mold and the, and the growth, I'm saving my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. You, you're being responsible, but you're not. Yeah, Sage. I am huge on leftovers. You know, my whole family always, everything is always out of the fridge. But now that I've like moved out, I still try to eat my leftovers on time but it doesn't always make it so they can stay in there for a few weeks yeah yeah they say it's somewhere between three and five days and you're supposed to chuck it as a bachelor i used to push that pretty far by the way uh before we move on i want to ask everybody's favorite elton song this 
I, I'm on an Elton kick. After we get out of here, I'm going to go listen to some Elton on the way to the game. Sage, what's your favorite Elton John song? Put you on the spot. Either uh, Benny and the Jets or I'm Still Standing. Cliche. Still standing I, for sure. Know. It's a joke. That's a- My, <laughs> mine's I'm Still Standing. Yeah, I'm Still Standing has to has to be right there, which is a surprising one because I think, you know, you, people don't think of that one immediately because of his classic repertoire. Everybody tends to think more what he put together in the 70s. He, he played Tiny Dancer 5th last time. It was a very, very song. cool. What a great song. What else um, we got? Anything on Disney, too. <laughs> um, Didn't hear any of those, by the whoa. way. Those were not in the uh, set list. Uh, do you have a weird superstition? Are you a superstitious? I'm not a superstitious guy. I, I had, a, had a thought back in the day. I was like, you know what? Superstitions are so stupid. They are. Until something happens. Uh, I never, ever, ever cheers with an empty glass. Who cheers with an empty glass anyway? Yeah, it That's happens. weird. It happens. People will like, Dining. they'll have their drink like, and they'll do, and they'll try to do like, oh yeah, I got late on the chair. And you go, no. Every time I've been in an opportunity or a situation where everybody's cheersing yeah. and I don't have anything, everybody waits yeah. until you get a fresh one. Yeah, that's the rule. Would you believe that I've not said a word about my current status until it became official yesterday with you, the company? Wow, so you kept it under wraps. Exactly. Say it. Well, uh, officially, Mitch is our new sports director. Wow! And I'm here full time. Hey! All right! 